over 100 seasons of collegiate wrestling at Springfield College. Character, hard workers, thousand dual meet victories. Welcome to the Springfield Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Pankill Chander, assistant wrestling coach, and just wrapped up my second season with the Pride. For the first episode of 2022, I sit down with Springfield College graduate alumnus and current athletic director at Ferrum College, John Setyak. John was an undergrad baseball player at Wheaton College in Massachusetts and went on to earn his master's degree in athletic administration from Springfield. And he discusses his path uh, to the AD chair at Wheaton College and his current role as athletic director at Ferrum. We discuss his views on leadership and how that's evolved over the years. The current issues and happenings in Division Three, And how his program will be leading the charge in hosting the 2023 NCAA Division Three Men's Wrestling Championships at the Brooklyn Center in Roanoke. If you have any feedback or any future guest recommendations, please feel free to reach out. Hope you enjoy the show. John Sutyak, what's up, man? I'm Pink Hill. How are we doing? Good, man. We're good. We're uh, spring has sprung in Springfield, so uh, things are things are looking up. And and uh, how how are you doing, man? How's things going down in Virginia? Well, spring sprung a couple weeks ago, and then this weekend it was 38 degrees and snowing at a softball game. So, but uh, now we're hanging in, man. It's going well. Good, good, man. Well, we appreciate you taking time to, to join the podcast. I know you're Springfield grad alum and have spent a lot of time in New England and uh, you're actually the first AD we've had on the podcast. And, and so I know you guys are busy and, and uh, so we won't take up too much of your time here, but we appreciate you. you making time. Yeah, no, honored to be here. And uh, you said you're putting the pressure on me being the first AD, but don't think I won't rub this in the Dr. Poisson's face that I got on here before he did. So. All right. All right. Well, well, nonetheless, definitely appreciate the time, but well, let's dive into kind of your background, man. What, uh, you know, what's kind of brought you to, uh, to the AD chair and, uh, tell us about your time at Springfield and kind of anything in between. Yeah. So, um, I was an undergrad, I, I was baseball undergrad at, at Wheaton in Massachusetts. So very familiar with Springfield. They were kind of our rival back then. Um, when we, we were, I was on the first team at Wheaton and, and we were there when we joined the new Mac, uh, when the new Mac was formed. So, um, you know, and I know wrestling's not in the new Mac, but that, you know, is big identity at Springfield. And, um, you know, I, I, I was an intern for the athletic director at Wheaton and realized that, you know, graduate school was, was something that needed to happen. I was, uh, fortunately I figured that out before it was too late and I was able to kind of slide right into slide into Springfield right after undergrad. So, and just had a great experience, tried to do everything I could at Springfield. I was doing sports information, um, with, uh, Tim Volkman, who was there at the time, who's now in Rochester uh, Institute of Technology, um, did some field work for Dr. Poisson. I coached baseball over at Western New England as a volunteer, and I uh, was a teaching assistant in sports, sports management for uh, uh, Dr. Posner, the old gymnastics coach who, who oversaw that department. So I just tried to immerse myself in as much as possible and um, try to figure out what would stick. And, and eventually, um, my first job was, was in Res Life and as an assistant sports information director back at Wheaton. Um, was able to get to Yale University for three years. Um, in the athletic department and then found my way back to Wheaton and eventually in the AD chair there and now at Ferrum College. So, um, you know, Springfield is super instrumental in that whole, uh, 
process for me and, and um, just all the connections. I mean, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but just uh, the, leaving Springfield um, with a network. And, and it was, a, and I mean, not just a network of people that I was with there um, are the administrators and professors over there, but the people that I met who had graduated from Springfield, either as a grad alum or, or um, you know, undergrad alum. Um, and then the people after, I mean, I mean, you know, us, I mean, I met you before you got to Springfield, but when you got there, I think you remember I was, my first, I was like, dude, you're at Springfield. That's awesome. You know? And I think, you know, all the people that you meet along the way, it's, it's such a tight knit um, network and, and something that I, you know, I, mean, I think I probably took it for granted when I was there, but once I kind of got out, it was one of those, like, yeah, this is, it wasn't for Springfield. I'm not in the chair that I'm in now. And uh, you know, I was 33 years old when I was named an athletic director at Wheaton as super young and, um, you know, I was, probably wasn't ready, but uh, grateful and, and happy to have the opportunity in the career that I've had. Absolutely. And you were here um, actually when Coach Joel Deering was running the program, right? And, and I actually got to kind of spend some time with Coach Deering, but he was, you know, just retired and, and transitioned out. But I know he had a big impact on um, the athletic admin grab program and, and uh, kind of what it is today and, and the reputation it has today, right? As you know it, um, you know, could you talk a little bit about maybe, maybe his impact or, or maybe some other people in that program um, that really shaped your perspective and, and, you know, and then in turn your career? Yeah. I mean, he, doc, uh, Dr. Darren or coach Darren was, um, he was, I, he was, I don't think he was in charge of the program when I was there, but I think, you know, the work he did as he kind of transitioned from volleyball to the, the admin or the program was, was huge. I think so for me, when I was there and Dr. Betty Mann was running the show there and I, I I'm sure she still has a presence. She was a tremendous woman and, and fantastic uh, mentor. But I mean, you know, I, I think the evolution of the program has been huge, especially the athletic and men program. Um, you know, when I was there, you had to take uh, anatomy and physiology, kinesiology, exercise, phys, and, and, you know, I remember having the conversation. I'm like, what do I need this for? And they're like, well, you know, if someone gets hurt, I'm like, I'm, I'm EAD. Like I pay someone for that. That's, you know, certified, certified by an athletic training board. So, um, but I think if you, what the, the, the program is now has really evolved more into the, in the management and business side. Um, I think there's a lot more recreation piece to it, um, recreation business. And I think that is just it speaks volumes to Springfield and how they've been able to evolve with the times and whatnot. Again, I, I was gone, man, this is my 20, 20 year reunion, I guess. Um, Cause I graduated in 02 from Springfield. So um, the evolution has been fantastic. And, and um, you know, I, I think the other thing is, is the fact that take the classroom piece out of it, the experience like you're getting as a coach, right? Like you're getting, you know, you're, you're, you're a full-time assistant coach, basically. You're just getting free classes on the side, right? And I think Springfield, I mean, whether it's coaching, the administrative, athletic administration piece, I mean, the res life piece, the student student affairs piece, like everything that Springfield does gives you those tangible real life um, experiences that, you know, you're going to walk out of there a professional, right? Like I count my two years as a grad student at Springfield as professional work because I was put in a position to, to lead, you know, whether it was events, whether it was, you know, the sports information, I and mean, we had some pretty, pretty fantastic opportunities when I was there doing the sports information. I mean, we hosted a division three final four in field hockey football went to the quarterfinals that year. So we were hosting, I mean, it was 
pretty big field hockey played for a national championship one year. Um, so, I mean, not to mention volleyball won a national championship. So every, everything wrestling did um, when we were there. Um, basketball hosted a sweet 16. I think it was unbelievable. The things that we got to do that some people don't get to do in their entire career. And I was doing it a year out of undergrad and two years out of undergrad. So, and I'm sure you feel the same way. And, 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 and a lot of your um, classmates that are there as well. Cause I mean, I've followed you guys enough to know like things are still going pretty good there. So you guys are doing well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's been, it's, you know, it's been a really uh, neat experience just, you know, so how, how competitive all our sports are across the board, you know, and, and, uh, and just how much is, is uh, invested in, into athletics here and, and how big it, you know, how big athletics is and just the fabric of the, identity of the institution and, and just the day-to-day of the, of the school right so um so re- really really cool but you know you talk about leadership and and um kind of leading you know different people in the athletic department and now you've been that's your second you know kind of stop as an ad and um you know how has your view on on leadership evolved um you know over the last decade or so of being an ad yeah i mean i think anytime you get into it for the first time and and you know whether you're a young coach even as an assistant coach, for me as an assistant AD early on, um, you, you tend to overcompensate sometimes. You know, I think, you know, you feel like you you lead by being vocal. You lead by um, <clears throat> trying to be the smartest person in the room, right? I think we're all guilty of that. Um, for me, the evolution has been realizing it's not necessarily about being the smartest person or knowing the most. It's about being present. It's about listening not just listening, hearing, you know, and understanding, right? So I always say I'm, I'm a jack of all trades, but I'm a master of none of them, right? Um, you know, I played baseball, football, and basketball growing up. I played baseball and basketball in high school, and I played baseball in college. I would never pretend to even know half of what our coaching staff does for any of those sports, let alone the sport that I played all through college. Um, however, what I can do is, you know, be present, listen, hear, and Every sport's different. You know, what, what's a challenge for you as a wrestling coach is not going to be the same as for a basketball coach or a field hockey coach, right? So um, I try and understand. I try and understand the landscape. I try to understand um, coaches' frustrations or other administrators' frustrations. Um, when people aren't getting along, trying to mediate and, and get people in a good place. When students don't feel they're being heard, being sure to um, listen and hear and, and try and get them to a better spot. Um, I can't give everyone everything they want, but I can, I can certainly listen. I can hear and be present. And again, I think those three things are hugely important. Um, it goes a long way when you're present and people know you support them, even if you don't give them everything they want or can tell them yes all the time. Um, so I, that, that's been my evolution. Um, and I, I, I've definitely tried to, you know, mentor the younger, younger coaches, younger administrators to try and understand that. And, and you, again, you see it. I, I, I sit in league meetings and I have for a long, long time. And I, I remember I, I was guilty of it. Like I'd sit in NUMAC meetings when I was, you know, an assistant AD. And I felt like I had to say something just to prove I belonged or prove that like I, and for me, it was tough because a lot of those administrators then they were, they were the ADs when I was a student and, and especially, you know, Springfield, Dr. Poisson was in a room, Dr. Schweitzer, uh, Kelly Hart, Dr. Hart. I mean, they were all administrators when I was a grad student. And now all of a sudden I'm at the same table with all of them. You feel like you need to, you know, but I, you know, looking back, I'd like to slap myself upside the head and be like, I just, 
wait your turn and relax. And so, I mean, that, that's been my, my evolution and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm an expert or I'm perfect or anything like that. I mean, I'm still learning. And I think that's a good, uh, a, a, you know, just sit back and relax a little bit and be patient and, and your time comes. And I think that that goes a long way because if you, if you do that, when you do speak, people are more apt to listen. Um, and I still have to, I mean, you know, we're, we're doing this. I'm sure by the end of it, your viewers will know I like to talk. So sometimes I still need to remind myself of that. So I think that's uh, certainly an important insight, right? Is, is patience and, and uh, you know, what that can play into, um, you know, maybe, and maybe actually learning from, uh, maybe a lot of your followers or, or just people around you, right? I know as a coach, we talk about, you know, you, you, there's or even, you know, in your role, you're mentoring and a lot of mentoring is about uh, it being a mutual learning process, right? Where, you know, you hope that the, the people you're leading learn from you, but also, you know, you're definitely learning a lot from them, uh, whether they, you know, know it or not. And, and I guess our job is to let them know that we're, we're probably learning from them too, right? So, um, but, you know, and, 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 in this view of leadership that you have and you know when you talk about some of the, the the tangible things i mean you are leading you know athletic department with a lot of sports right 20 plus sports in both places you've been and uh, obviously a lot of different needs a lot of different personalities with coaches a lot of different uh, it, just just a, a lot of expectations right when it comes to sport oversight um, so could you talk a little bit about managing that and and uh what the challenge is and and, uh, and how, you, how you deal with some of those challenges because a coach could have a competing interest with another coach when it comes to facilities or, or, uh, or a practice space or practice time, right, or, or something like that. Or, um, so talk a little bit about, you know, how you've kind of managed that and, and what that's been like. Yeah, it's, it's always uh, it's unique, right? And I think, you know, every, every ideal or, or even every coach, because I think most coaches will, will deal with this too because you have to share, right? And, um, you know, for me, um, what I've always tried to do um, one, stay consistent, right? I mean, <clears throat> whether you set a policy or whether you're going to just try and like do it like not under the radar, but kind of do it without without said stra um, structure, um, just be consistent. And, and I, <clears throat> you know, and, and be honest, right? I mean, like, I, I think, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, so like, I'm looking, I'm in the office now, so I'm looking out, I got, we got our stadium here. So football, field hockey, both lacrosse. And actually take it back a year when, during the COVID year because we played every sport last spring, spring of 2021. Everyone was in season at the same exact time. And, of course, we have a soccer field right next to the stadium here, but it's grass. So um, in the whole month of February and early March, it wasn't playable. So I got six teams out on this turf, and they're all playing, and it's all meaningful, Right. Um, not to mention baseball's right next to it and we can't play baseball at the same time. We can't play baseball at the same time because <laughs> of foul ball. So it was crazy. But, um, you know, first thing I try and do, um, and I've learned this, I think I tried to over, over legislate early in my career, like by just trying to insert myself and make these rules. But like, for me, it's been more, all right, can they, can the coaches work it out on their own? Most of the time they will. They'll work together. Everyone has a, a good working relationship. They understand that they all have the same goals and they can figure it out. So I'll let them figure it out. And when you can't figure out, come to me and I'll figure the rest out. And then I'll use, you know, like, all right, so-and-so's got a game the next day. So I'm going to give you the time you want and boom, boom, boom. So that's kind of how I try and do it. I, I don't know that I did that early in my career. I, I don't think I was, I like to think I was collaborative, but I wasn't as collaborative as I think I am now. And I think by empowering people to work things out, I think that you're going to get a lot more results 
than if I sat here in this office and said, you're going to do this, this, and this, because if I do that, there's probably three problems when, if I just let them all work it out, there's maybe only one problem we have to work through because I've now just muddied the waters even further. And yeah, you know, certainly there's certain times I can't do that, or I need to say, Hey, we got to do this because of that. Um, but that's how I've tried to do it. And again, like you, you think about the indoor sports, basketballs and, and volleyball, that's always, you know, a, a rub. Um, you know, we don't have an indoor field house like you have at Springfield, but you know, when, when I did at Wheaton, I mean, the month of February was a nightmare, track, tennis, baseball, softball, lacrosse as if the turf wasn't cleared off, right? Like it was insane. So um, I, I think you try and um, figure things out, let people work it out on their own. And, and, and then, you know, when you have to, commands to, to make a decision. And then at that point, yeah, you might upset someone. And I, I've often said, and I'm not sure how PC this is, but I, I say it a lot. Um, I tell a coach or uh, SID or an athletic trainer, like, hey, like if, if we only want to strangle each other two or three times a year, we're going to have a pretty darn good relationship, right? Like we're not always going to agree. And sometimes we're going to walk away muttering words under our breath about each other, but it comes out of love and it, we all have the same you know, uh, passion and care for the place. And again, if we can keep it to that, then I think we have a great, great relationship, you know? So it, it's interesting, It, but, you know, um, you get through it. And again, you know, look, at the end of the day, we're not, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're playing sports. We're trying to provide a great experience for our students and, and uh, leadership opportunities and, and teamwork and all these things, we're, we're, but we're not, we're not curing cancer or doing rocket science here. So like, you know, let's like, we got to put in perspective sometimes. And I think that we're able to do that. And I think that's, it's important. For sure. And, you know, you've been at, uh, you know, in your, in your career, you've been at a couple different places, you know, including a division one stop. Right. And, um, but mostly a lot of your, your time has been, you know, in division three and obviously your D three athlete, but talk a little bit about why uh, why you kind of believe in small college athletics, um, you know, so much because it's clear you're you know you're a Division three lifer, right? And and uh, doesn't seem like you're going anywhere. It seems like you love Division three and you love what it stands for. So so talk a little bit about uh, you know that model and, and what you love about it. Yeah, no doubt. And look, you know, you never know what the future holds, right? But I think you know I had to make a decision when I was at Yale. And because I knew I had the opportunity to come back to Wheaton, and it was one of those like you know if you go back, you might not be able to go back up, right? Um, kind of thing. And, and I was good with that because I had an unbelievable experience as a student athlete. Um, you know, I think about the people that impacted me the most. And yes, I had, you know, a couple of key professors, but the athletic director, I mean, my coach, first and foremost, the athletic director, uh, Joe Tokarts, the guy that was the, he, he worked second shift, you know, kind of running the building um, that we all practice Like, you know, the, the woman that, that cleaned our, you know, kept, kept track of us and kept us on our P's and Q's and the, and the residents all right. Like, these were the people that made my experience unbelievable. And so for me, it's about trying to do the same thing for students, right? Like if I can have some small, you know, piece of that, I mean, one of the greatest compliments I ever got when I left Wheaton, I had a couple recent alums send me a note to be like, Hey, thank you for helping provide a great experience for me. Like that means the world to me. Right. Um, you know, with, with all that said, I mean, I also think there's like that, that piece is important because I, I had a, a friend of mine who worked at a big school. Um, she was at a, you know, a power five school and I went to visit her one time and we were, we were in the football stadium and, 
And I said, you know, and, and, and she had come from division three, she'd played division three and, and whatnot. And, she, and I said, you know, what's the biggest difference? Like, you know, what, and, and, and she just said, look, what, what you do, um, it's about the student. It's about that experience. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not for you. And, and, and she was like, well, yeah, but, and she looked up and she kind of went like this. She's like, if I don't fill these luxury boxes, I can't give the students their experience. So it's about this first. And then it's that. And for me, that's not me. I mean, could I be in that environment and probably enjoy it? Sure. But I don't want to be an athletic director in that environment. And I don't want to, I don't even know if we'd be a senior administrator in that environment because you're not impacting the way we do here. And again, like I'm not perfect. I mean, I'm sure there are students that get upset with things that we do or um, policies that we have, but um, at the end of the day, everything we do and, and what we're trying to do in this department. And even when I was at Wheaton was out of love and out of trying to, provide a first class experience right we're division three we're not third class we're just a different division so we try and do as best we can at the level we're at and I think that um for me has been kind of I mean I won't say my life work it makes it sound like I'm you know but like you know that that's been what's driven me um to be at this level so whether I'm the athletic director or the assistant athletic director or whatever I mean that's that's the key you know and, and, and building those relationships and providing those experiences Absolutely. And, and, you know, you look at maybe, uh, you know, what, what can you, keeps people in jobs and, and prevents turnover or things like that. It's always about community, right? People you're surrounded with and, and uh, if you're doing meaningful work that that's keeping you there. And, and it's clear that, you know, division three has given you that uh, experience and, and that meeting. Right. And, um, you know, you look at, you know, the, the kind of what you're spending a lot of your time doing is, is obviously, uh, mentoring coaches, right, oh, and and overseeing them and and uh, making sure their programs are are successful. So so, what does that look like for you? Um, you know, when it and and what's your kind of advice or, or uh, messages that you're relaying to coaches to how to you know best work with with administration with other coaches and and how to run successful programs um, in their respective uh, positions? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean one, I you know. I think sometimes some, some of the mistakes people make is they try and compare themselves to other coaches, right? Like whether they're in your industry or whether they're up and down the hallway. And I think that, I mean, look, at this level, division three, um, we don't have scholarship money to turn programs around like that. And I truly believe it. Sometimes there's some luck involved, but it, it takes, I think three to five years to really put a stamp on your program and have them in the direction you want it to. But you also, I mean, you can't control certain things. You can't control financial aid. You can't control um, who comes, who doesn't, or who transfers and doesn't. I mean, you can a little bit by providing a good atmosphere, but like you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just have to kind of, you know, do your best. I mean, I mean, look, for me, are you a good person? That's the most important thing in the world is you're a good person I think, you know, you're someone who's, who people are going to be drawn to. They're going to want to learn from what, you know, everything that goes with that. Then are you a hard worker, right? Because you, you can't teach either one of those things, you either have it or you don't. If you're a hard worker, you're going to be able to recruit. You're going to be able to, you know, make relationships, um, put the work in so that your students are getting a complete experience, whether it's in training, mentorship, academic piece. Like those are the two most important things you can have. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about what other coaches are doing. I mean, because I, I think we all hear it, right? You've heard it, you know, 
team's super successful. Oh, well, their financial aid packages are funky or they let anyone in or, you know, oh, they're doing this or that. So what? I, you know what? So what? That's their problem. Don't worry about it. If you focus all your energy on that, you're not going to focus on what you can control, which is your program, your culture, you know, those sorts of things. And I think you know, those are the biggest mistakes I think any coach makes. I'll, heck, athletic directors can make it. And I'll be honest with you, like my, my, my vision or my viewpoint of success has completely shifted. And I, again, it, I think it depends where you're at, but you know, for me, are we recruiting quality students? Are we keeping them here? And are we graduating? If we're doing those three things, we're going to, we're going to have results on the field and or the mat or the court or the pool or whatever it is, right? If we're, if we're doing that at a high level, that's where we'll have success. It, it does equate, right? Um, now, what is success? Is it a national championship? Is it a conference? I, I, you know, that's up for every program and every program is different. So, you know, I, you know, John, when he was 33 as an AD, it was all about, oh, we got to win national championships and realistically there's only about 20 schools in the country that are going to compete for a national championship in every sport. And those are either the big state schools in Wisconsin or the elite schools. Right. So the rest of us need to do the best we can. And, and that success will come. It might not be every year, but you know, you know, you, as long as you're putting together a solid program, you're going to have a presence, you're going to have a national presence and that helps draw students to your school. That'll help draw retention. And I mean, for, for me, that's at least how I, I see it. Worry about what you can control and help build your own culture and, Again, every school is different and, and where you start is different. You know, if, if, you, if you're a national powerhouse, just winning the league is not going to be success for you. But if you're a team that you took over, coach, young coach, and you guys have never had any success, maybe just getting to the conference playoffs is a huge um, accomplishment. You know, so, you know, again, it's all relative. And, and I think, you know, just building and, and trying to get better every year is what's important. And if you leave, leave the place you left better than you found it. And I, and I think that's another uh, thing that sometimes gets lost. And because if you don't leave as a champion, like I think people sometimes get disappointed, you know, that, as I get older, that, that, that whole concept has, has changed quite a bit. So. Yeah. I think you bring up a really important insight and, and a great point with, you know, every, every institution, every athletic department is going to have its own definition of, of success. Right. And, and, um, and really, what does that look like for that athletic department? I think it's, you know, you look at all these different schools across all these different sports, um, you know, and, and this is from maybe just my vantage point, but maybe some institutions are better set up to succeed in certain sports better than others, right? And given the fabric of a sport or, or the nature of the sport. And, um, and so, and so, yeah, so it's really interesting, like us as, as coaches in athletics or, you know, administrators, they you know, see some of those challenges and, and uh, you know, and, and yeah, maybe look at just the win loss column, but, you know, you peel the curtain back and you're like, well, th this program just went 500. That's pretty incredible right. for the challenges they put up against. Right. Um, given, given the nature of their school, maybe how hard it is to get into academically or, or um, you know, just the nature of that sport. Right. And, well, are, are they uh, geography, right? I mean, like yeah, there, the are, there, there are schools on the East coast that have water polo, right. I've never overseen a water polo board, but I don't know many water polo athletes in, in the East coast. So they're all, it's a West coast sport, right? So you're banking, you're going to get all these kids from the West coast that are elite, or you're going to try and develop kids up and down the East, right? Like you, so what's your, you know, I think what, you know, Brown, Harvard, MIT, I think Hopkins has one. I mean, I mean, I don't know what the goal is there, right? Like 
Like if we started a fencing program at Ferrum, there are no fencers that I know of in Southwest Virginia. Most of the fencers I know it's a Northeast sport or, or you know, I don't know, I, you know, but right. what's our, I mean, we can't expect to win a national championship if we started a fencing program. Right. So, like, you know, but you know, for us, football is huge down here, right? There's football players, all over, there's baseball players all over the place. So like, you know, your geography is going to dictate kind of how that goes as well. And I think you need to have those realistic expectations. What kind of facilities do you put in? Like we have, a, we started track and field program. We don't have an outdoor track, but we have a co we had a national qualifier in all American last year. Right. So, you know, um, I, for us, that was huge. Like, but I'm not expecting that from them every year. Right. Like, so, I mean, that's, you kind of have to, you know, that all, it all plays into it, but yeah, geography is big too, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for some, they may just be, if you get your roster numbers up, that's a huge win. Right. And, right. You know, or, or, you know, considering where the history of the program was, maybe they had, you know, 10 in, in year three and, and now you have, you know, 30 in year five, right. That's, right. that's a huge step. So, um, so for sure, but, you know, and, and, um, obviously, you know, you've, you've done a lot of, um, work kind of impacting D3. You've been on some committees and, and done that sort of thing. And, and, and obviously, you know, we just came back from, uh, the division three national championships in Cedar Rapids and, and, uh, you know, you were out there and you kind of getting the lay of the land because you guys are, are hosting next year, um, down in Roanoke. I guess that's become a city, uh, or Salem, right. That's kind of become the city of D3, D3 championships, right. A lot of, a lot of D3 championships go on there, but, um, but talk a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, that next uh, kind of big thing for, for you guys and, and hosting that championship and what that means to, to maybe, you know, the department, the city, um, et cetera. Yeah, no, I mean, we're super proud um, to have our name attached to the wrestling championships. And, you know, obviously we're, we're not in Roanoke, but I mean, that's obviously where the arena is. And, and uh, the year before I came to Ferrum, we had hosted nationals there too. And, and look, I mean, Roanoke and Salem's right next to Roanoke. I mean, I think they've really built, um, this area of the country has really built um, a reputation for putting on first-class championships. I mean, the football championship, the stag bowl was here for 20 some years, 25 years, the D three basketball championships were here at the Salem civic center for years and years, men and women, they've hosted baseball world series, softball world series. I think volleyball was here last year at Rona college and women's lacrosse. So, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, this is a great area of the country to be hosting championships and it's super, um, super supported by the city and the, and the region. So we're excited to have a, a piece in it, you know, for me last uh, two weeks ago, being at three weeks ago, I can't remember how many weeks ago now, um, being at um, in Cedar Rapids was, was great for me to see um, how it's run. Again, I know we had done it a few years ago, Gary Holden, our um, assistant AD here. He's also our sports information director. He's a long time, wrestling guy he was the head coach of Plymouth State for four or five years and um you know he he knows how to run these tournaments and and you know he gave me a whole list uh, and uh, coach Meister our, 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 our men's coach was down there too or up there as well so you know we were able to kind of just make sure they're doing the things that we had done and what have they enhanced and I think the great thing about that championship was I mean you know I was watching um at COVID so I was watching uh, the week after. So I was watching uh, the men's division one championships and from a production standpoint, from what I could tell, there wasn't much difference. I mean, it was, it, you know, it, it, we, I think the division three championship was done 
I'm sure there were more people at the Division One one probably, but I mean, like what, what what was done was unbelievable. And so, you know, for us, it's to mimic that and try and enhance it a little better so that when it's in Lacrosse, Wisconsin in 2024, it's even better. And when it's in, I think, Providence the year after, it's even better and, and it continues to evolve. So um, we're excited for the challenge. And again, for us um, to have our name attached to it means a lot. Um, obviously, a lot of pressure because we want to do a great job. I do know that, at least from what I've been told, Ferm did a fantastic job in 2019. So, um, you know, um, the, the bar is high and, and we're excited for it. And so, um, I, I mean, I'm super excited. I haven't, as an AB, I've never hosted a national championship outside of synchronized swimming when I was at Wheaton. Um, but again, being at Springfield when we hosted um, uh, field hockey, that I think it was 2001. I mean, that's probably the last time I was really involved in an NCAA championship outside of my service on the softball committee. So, and uh, that was, that was 10 years ago. So uh, it'll be good and looking forward to it. So. Yeah, it certainly is a, a, a monster of a production, right? And I think, I think you're, you're certainly accurate in your statement where, you know, it's not too far off from division one. The only difference is it's in two days and, and not three. And, and uh, yeah, obviously there's a lot more fans in division one, but, but I think, um, and obviously a lot more teams represented, right? There's more qualifiers, that kind of thing. But from, you know, you, you, you're in the arena and, and the match are the same, the, the, you know, the announcers are the same and, you know, so many people do a great job just running that event and, and, um, and, you know, from a production standpoint, you know, giving those student athletes an experience that's, that's really memorable. Right. Um, and, and for sure, yeah, we were down there in 2019 and, and uh, yeah, it was certainly a phenomenal event um, and, and uh, Ferrum and, and company did a great, great job and definitely looking forward to that. But, but, you know, let's, let's dive into, you know, some division three talk, right. Because I know you, you, you have a, uh, a really good, great lens on that and, and keep a strong pulse on that. But um, you know, what your, maybe some of your committee work and, and uh, some of the stuff that you've been involved with, I mean, uh, what are some, some things you think that division three coaches and administrators need to be keenly aware of um, as we head into, you know, next, next few years and, and what are some things in the landscape that may be shifting um, that we need to, you know, keep a strong pulse on and, and be, be constantly uh, be ready to evolve with? Yeah, I mean, the big one these days is the NIL and, and everything that comes with that. And I don't think Division Three will be immune to it. Um, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in terms of where we are geographically. So I, I think about my time in New England, whether it was at Wheaton or Springfield, um, it's such an oversaturated sports. I mean, you guys, I mean, look, the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics and the Bruins got all the attention. And then you got, you know, BC and depending on how PC's doing Providence and basketball or whatnot, you, you know, so the division threes kind of get lost in the shuffle. And there's, there's 60 some division three schools in Massachusetts alone. I mean, when I was on the, no, maybe not that many um, 40. I don't know how many, I remember when I was on the softball committee, I was in charge of 63 schools and that was, that was new England. Right. And there weren't many in Vermont. So, I mean, that tells you most of them are in New Hampshire or Mass or in Connecticut, right? So it's a super saturated market. But then you go down, like down here, there's 15 Division three schools, 16. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, there's some, but, you know, we got tech and, and, and whatnot. But there are some schools that, that the, the, like, think about Iowa schools, the Wisconsin school. Like, there's no, there's, there's how many Division one schools in Wisconsin? Not that many. So the big players are the D3 schools. So I think there's a lot of opportunities out there that we just need to be aware of. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not as in tune with it. I think we have a couple students that might have some minor things or whatever, but nothing, you know, um, to be, you know, legal, obviously, because we're all, you know, they can all 
have control of it. But I think that's a big one. I think, um, you know, the red, I mean, we've talked before about um, red shirting. That's, that's a big um, topic that will probably come up at next, next convention. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was delayed or, or tabled for further discussion. So I know there's some strong feelings on whether we should be bringing back red shirting at a division three level. You know, that that was a thing when I was a student athlete, you know, in the late 90s, the dark ages of the late 90s. But, um, you know, it went away. And, uh, you know, so now I think, you know, it'll be interesting what happens. I think this whole Constitution, um, you know, the, 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 the redoing of the Constitution, I think that's going to I'm, I'm interested to see what that means and what Division three might do with some of the requirements we have. And again, like we're big division, there's 450 of us. And look, the, the none of us are created equal. I mean, you go to some of these division three schools and they look like division one schools and you go to some division three schools and they look like high schools. Right. So it's, it's, it'll be an interesting concept to see how we evolve as a division. Um, it'll be interesting to see if other D one schools, as things change there, decide to drop down the D two or D three. I mean, university of Hartford's a perfect example. They're, I mean, they just, they're going one to three. They're not even going to division two. They're just completely shuttering the whole, scholarship thing and they want to go division three. So it'll be interesting to see, but then at the same time, you have a St. Thomas in Minnesota who jumped from D three to D one. So I, you know, it's interesting times. And I think, um, you know, a lot of schools, um, you know, enrollment that, I mean, that's the thing that I'm sure y'all talk about. I mean, there's an enrollment cliff coming. So, you know, what's that mean for some of the small schools or what's that mean for some of the medium sized schools, right? Like how do you differentiate yourself? I mean, at the end of the day, higher ed's a business and, you know, we need to, we need to put bodies in the, in the seats and, and that puts a lot of pressure on athletics and how does higher ed evolve online learning people are learning different they might not be coming to school anymore so that budgets get impacted that way and staffing and it's it's a whole it's, it's interesting I think that all plays a factor into what we do in athletics um and it'll be interesting because look, none of us are on tv we're not getting we're not getting money from ESPN so you know we're we're, <laughs> we're doing what we can to, to, to fulfill the mission of our respective institutions, but um, it's really changing and higher ed sometimes slow to change. So I'm interested to see how we all change. And, and again, it's going to be what, what Springfield needs to do and what Farrah needs to do are going to be completely different. We're completely different schools, but yet we're both division three schools. So it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, uh, concept and, and whatnot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I think we, we saw kind of a tipping point in, in some respects in the last couple of years. And, and COVID was maybe the straw oh, that broke the camel's back in some ways, right, um, with, with, with maybe this new constitution. Obviously, it was well underway, but, but maybe a lot of things have been um, expedited. And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of other issues that have come up because of, as a result of COVID, right, and, um, and that we've maybe, um, we're maybe much more aware of now than we weren't before. But but yeah, I certainly see that uh, enrollment cliff coming. I think that's a big reason why we're, we're seeing D3 add a lot of sports uh, left in, or a lot of D3 schools adding a lot or sponsoring a lot more sports, right? And adding sports uh, left and right. And and, um, and so it'll certainly be interesting to see how that affects the landscape and, and the market. Um, now, you, you know, you, you, you were at Springfield and, and you've been around some, some, uh, some wrestling and that kind of thing. So what's your favorite uh, Springfield college wrestling memory, if you have one? Yeah, no. So, um, so Springfield was kind of the first time I had really been around wrestling since middle school. Um, so I moved around a lot as a kid. I was in Western Pennsylvania for a few years and, you know, really good wrestling uh, where, where we were, but, um, 
high school and college, we didn't have wrestling. So I, I get to Springfield and, and, um, you know, I was able to do some, some sports information. I think we had hosted the, the, I can't remember the name of the conference, NECWA, NECWA, I don't know, whatever. I, I you should know that. Yeah. 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 Um, we hosted that. So anyways, the next year comes my second year of grad school. I'm doing my field work for Dr. Poisson and a bunch of the alums came back. And uh, one of my buddies ran the Doug Parker invite the year before. And uh, I just remember how stressed out he was. And like, you know, it's a big event like that. That's, that's huge. It's huge for what you all do. And it's, it's a kind of a marquee a marquee event that I think Springfield does. And so um, they're all hanging out. I'm working a soccer game and, and Dr. Poisson comes over and, and he's yucking it up with them. And, and Marty Testo is the guy. And he's like, hey, Dr. Poisson, you know what Sutyak was telling me? He told me that he could run the Doug Parker better than I could. Now, the words Doug Parker to Marty Testo were never uttered out of my mouth. But Marty decides he wants to be funny about this. And, and Dr. Poisson looks at me and goes, yeah, it's yours. And he walks away. <laughs> I'm just like, he's like, oh, by the way, see me, see me on Tuesday. Tuesday, 9 a.m. We'll go over everything. I was, uh, I ran the Doug, and look, I run the Doug Parker. I mean, Poisson ran the Doug Parker. I just made sure, you know, entry fees were where they needed to go. And, you know, our uh, coach Arroyo was running. I mean, he does the maddest. I mean, you're, I'm just making sure chaos doesn't break out really. But, but oh yeah, yeah, that was my, uh, my, my favorite Springfield memory. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, it's yours. See me on Tuesday. Great. <laughs> you know, so, but um, I mean, but that's a huge experience, especially for a young grad student who's, you know, I gotta, I gotta try and sell myself in the job market and, you know, a, a huge wrestling tournament on top of all the other stuff I had been doing with them was, I mean, I mean, I'm thankful for that. And um, yeah, it, it didn't go down the way I would have envisioned, but, you know, but I, you know, and again, the wrestling, Springfield wrestling was a piece of that and, and um, I'm, I'm proud of that. So. Absolutely. That is, that is definitely a big operation. It's eight mats. It's and when you were there, it's 19, 20 teams, right? Maybe even more, but uh really big, really big tournament in New, probably the biggest invitation in New England um, at the time and might, might still be, but, you know, we, we, we had a, a little bit smaller scale this year just because of COVID, but we're hoping to get that back up next year and, and, uh, and that sort of thing, but, but cool. Well, you know, we, we have our two minute overtime segment and, and obviously you know what overtime is or sudden victory looks like in wrestling. Now you've, you've been around it quite a bit. So, uh, so this segment is, is just basically our last, the last prompt for you, but you know, any, any takeaway you have for, for the audience um, that they can take away, whether that's career advice, personal advice, uh, professional, uh, you name it, but, but it's your two minutes. So you got to get that takedown in, in overtime. So I'll see what I can do. And hopefully I didn't get protested. Like the, uh, the 157 pounds being protested still this day. So yeah, from the, uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I think um, I've, 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 I've said this for 20 years, well, 19 years now, and I, I still believe it. And, I think whatever it is we do in life, whether it's we coach athletics, business, you know, teach, I don't know. um, Be patient, be flexible and expect the unexpected. And I think I say that because, you know, I, you know, I'm at Springfield. I'd mentioned earlier in this conversation, like all the things I did, sports info, coach, teach, you know, field work. And my first job was res life. I was an area coordinator. Um, in res life. And, and, and I took that job because I was able to pair it with sports info. So, you know, and look, I was getting no bites, right? Like I'm applying for all these jobs. I mean, I still, I lived in grad annex number one. Um, and we would all um, post our rejection letters on the wall from all the jobs we get. And I'm, you know, I'm getting nothing like, right. Like this is back when you'd still get letters. It wasn't an email. Right. 
Um, but I got this opportunity in res life and to do sports information. And so, you know, my goal was always to be an athletic director. Um, so my path, instead of going from here to here, now was going over here. Was it ever going to get back? I don't know. Now I, I did a year later, um, you know, Ryan Bamford, who's now the athletic director at, at UMass Amherst. Um, we were classmates together. He was an intern at Yale. I was the res life director, area coordinator and assistant SID. And he ended up getting promoted and he brought me back to be his intern. So basically to fill the job he had left. And, and I'm super thankful for that because it, you know, and I remember the conversation, he's like, you're going to take a cut and pay by about 50%, but your career path goes back to where you want it to be. And I did that. And so for me, that's how it worked out. It very easily could have kept going that way. And I would have never been in that AD or, or maybe I would have just a little later down the road. And I think too many times we get fixated on, where we're going to be and, and wanting to expedite that, you know, I want to be a head coach. I want to do it now. Like, okay. Like sometimes it doesn't happen. That and sometimes when you get, and I think sometimes people take jobs that aren't the right fit, but they do it just because they want the title. And then how does that work out? Right. Because if it doesn't work out, it's hard to get back to. So again, patience, understanding that the way you think it's going to go probably won't go that way. Very rarely does it ever. Um, and just, you know, um, go with the flow. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I, again, I, I was never an RA, but yet I was a resident director <laughs> and or an area coordinator. So like, it, but that's just the path that it went. And, and again, that, that, that experience was instrumental. I still use some of the lessons I learned to this day um, from that year that I spent living in a dorm and doing rounds at night and doing all the things that, that, our res life professionals have to do. And it's, it's not a glorious job by any means. I have the most respect, um, utmost respect for everything they do, but yeah, just, I mean, it's crazy, man. It's never going to go how you think it is. And if you do, um, you know, just be, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, I mean, if, if, if it happens the way you think it is, you're one of the lucky ones, but you know, I'm, I'm sure if you talk to any coach, any AD, any CEO, what, what they're doing or how they got there was not how they thought it would happen. Again, it'll work out the way it needs to. I really believe that. So, Awesome. Well, you wanted the ride out there and made it a little bit hard for yourself. <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, Unless I told you I could talk. I'm sure people probably tuned me yeah, out by a half an hour mark. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's, yeah, it's certainly a great lesson, right? Because, um, because, you know, I know you've talked about this before, but, you know, like you said, you are at a table with um, – you know, different ADs that you were, that were, you know, oversaw you as a student, right? And, and, uh, and that you got to the cheer maybe quicker than some other people did, but they were just, you know, as qualified or et cetera. You, you know, you've mentioned this before, right? Is that yeah. you can't compare yourself to people. It's always going to be a little bit unexpected. Uh, and, uh, and that, and that everyone's path is certainly unique in their own way. Yeah. And I, and I don't think he'd mind. I mean, Dr. Poisson's a tremendous example. Like I, I looked up to that man immensely and I always will right and and he's the guy that when we were grad students that like we all looked up to him I mean, even if you were already in the athletic administration program you looked up to him right I I graduated from Springfield and 10 years later I'm an athletic director and he's not he could be anywhere he wanted to be, but he chose the path that he chose and I think you know and I never really talked to him deep like this and I hope I'm not I'm trying to speak for him but like I truly believe the guy could have been an athletic director anywhere he wanted to be, but he, he had a path, you know, again, like family plays a part in the things and things like, like I'm, I'm still single. So I'm able to 
move and do whatever I needed to do. But I mean, I, I, he, he, I was an AD and he wasn't, I still looked up to him, right. Because I knew how good he was and how much of a professional he is and how much I learned from him. And, you know, not just him, but Dr. Schweitzer, who was the AD at the time, um, you know, Chad Yow, who was my mentor Wheaton, but I mean, it's just the circumstances. And I think sometimes when you're younger, you compare yourself to all these other people or, you know, I remember I did it at one point when I was, when I was um, an intern at Yale, right. And that was my job to, I was an intern, right. That, you know, Ryan was great. He, he never called me an intern, but that's what I was. And there were people that I graduated with that were assistant ADs or whatever. And I'm like, well, how'd they get that? And that's, you know, who cares, you know, and I wish I could tell 25 year old or 24 year old John that, but who cares? You know, your assistant coach, you've been an, uh, an associate head coach of this sport. For, I mean, there, there are very good coaches that are, have never been a head coach either because they don't want to be or because they, they feel they need to stay where they are because of their family circumstances, whatever that is, um, or they're just comfortable, but, the, but, but they're way more qualified than some of the other people who get head coaching jobs. But I admire those individuals because they don't get caught up in the ego of it. They, they, they do their job, they coach and they do the best they can. And they have a lot of respect from people. And I think that that goes a long way. And again, like for me, like, don't worry about what anyone else does. I mean, that's, I think an important lesson. And, and again, you know, I, I think the world of Craig and um, I hope he doesn't mind me bringing him up, but I mean, you know, he, it was weird when I wasn't in the room with him because I, I still looked up to him and he, and, and his approval still meant the world to me because that's how, how high regard I'm thankful that I get to call him a colleague and a friend. And, and I enjoy the con we talk probably three, four times a year and I see him at convention and I, I it means a lot to me and not just him. There's other, other administrators out there that I feel the same way about. And, um, but yeah, my circumstance was different. I was lucky. I mean, I, I got a job at Wheaton and the AD wanted to retire in four or five years and he put me in a position to be successful. And, and get that job. And at 33, I got the keys to the car. You know, I was probably too young. I, I can look back and say that, but I think I learned a lot. And I don't, I, I think I did the place well. I think I left it better than I found it. That's my opinion. I don't know what others would say, but, you know, we did a lot of great things and, and they're continuing to do great things after I left. And now I'm here and trying to do the same thing. But um, yeah, a lot of life lessons there for sure. But yeah, it's all luck. It's all, you know, I could have gone anywhere and still been an associate AD and that I would have been perfectly happy with that. It's just the way it worked out. Well, John Sightyak, thank you for making time. I know you, you're, uh, you're busy down there in Virginia and, and uh, have a lot going on. So we appreciate you making time for, for insights and, and uh, kind of re rehashing the past at uh, Springfield on Alden street. Right. So, uh, so thanks again. Well, I appreciate you. Place means a lot to me. And I, I, I really love what you've done, um, you know, Ryan, engaging your alums and, and engaging a lot of the people at uh, Springfield, especially your wrestling community. And we're looking forward to having you guys down in Roanoke uh, next year for championships. So good luck to you guys and uh, say hi to everyone back in Alden Street. Uh, hopefully I get back there, get back there. So maybe the golf tournament, I'll come back and uh, create a scene or something like that. So thanks, Sean. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you.